Our sponsor for the podcast, Ahrefs, has an awesome set of tools that have become an industry standard for just about every SEO out there. For instance, if you're not getting any real significant search traffic, href has tools that can help you find topics worth creating pages or content on. You can easily see the estimated search volumes and gauge traffic potential with their keyword explorer tool, and that can help you create content that would drive more search traffic. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by Greg Finn, who's a well-respected SEO, a partner at Cypress North, and also the co-host of Marketing O'Clock. Today, we're going to be talking about B2B paid advertising tactics you have to implement in 2020. Enjoy the show. Hey, Greg, great to have you on the show. Brent, the pleasure is all mine. Buddy, I mean, we, we there's very few people um, in the marketing space that really can dial it back with me like 15 years back, you know, to where, you know, it's the beginning of social media. Like nobody even knows that term. People are like, block that social crap because it screws up my CTR on my AdSense, you know. <laughs> it's like, um, it, it, it's really an interesting time, but you're one of the few people in this world that like when we dial it back was right there with me on early dig days. Um, you know, you were one of the two or three people in the world that I let see kind of my you know, uh, bot set up, you know, and how we would kind of quote unquote game some of the early social sites. And um, we, we really got to break a lot of ground in that space together. So it is it's truly a pleasure to kind of have you on the show and, and get a chance to chat with you a bit. Yeah, totally, Brent. And I don't know if you've ever been interviewed on your own show here, but somebody needs to do that. You know, the number one documentary on Netflix now is Don't F With Cats. And your story with with what you were doing back then is mirrors like some of the craziness as to just how technically crazy you you went with some of those those setups on social. Well, maybe, uh, but, it, but for good, not for that. If not yeah, for, bad. for sure. Well, one of these times, uh, you know, maybe we'll just do one of the SCJ shows, and you can come on with me, and you can do that, and we'll do it together. Yeah, that'd be phenomenal. So you've been, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, you, you've been in social media. You were one of the first people in social media, along with me and a handful of other people we know, like one of the really first people to kind of utilize social media and marketing. I mean, you've been in SEO even before that, longer than me. Um, and uh, you also founded and are now, you know, a, a partner of uh, Cypress North, which is, you know, a digital marketing agency that really, you know, um, as you kind of have explained it to me, has really kind of remained kind of... Um, not so much small, but grew very uh, methodically and very uh, responsibly to kind of like, you know, um, kind of, you know, not always what agencies do. I mean, you've spoken at just about every major conference out there. And um, 
you also are, are, are the co-host of Marketing O'Clock, which is one of the top up-and-coming marketing you know, podcasts. I say up-and-coming as if it hasn't been around for a couple of years, but it's- Yeah, it's, it's on the SEJ Network. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, even before that, it's one of the, the shows that has really kind of taken off and really resonated with a lot of the, the industry. And so, um, you know, we're going to talk a bit today about, you know, B2B. That was, you know, something we wanted to kind of dive into specifically on, you know, the paid advertising in B2B space, you know, what could you be doing better in 2020? What should you really be focusing on? You know, I think we always get into this place where, you know, the biggest problem with marketing is knowing what not to do. Like, what are you supposed to not waste your time on? Because there's a million things that everybody's telling you you should do. But what what, what should you really be focusing on? And it's always a tough question, but I think it's one that we have to continue to answer over and over so that people start to get confidence that they're going in, in, in a good direction and that maybe this idea of putting, you know, white text on a white background is no longer viable, right? <laughs> um, and so um, I, I we're, we're going to dive into that a little bit, but I wanted to talk a little bit because I think paid is one of those areas that I always avoided. Like I really hated the idea of like writing ads and, and doing paid. Maybe it's because when AdSense, you know, I mean, not AdSense, but when AdWords put a quality score in, I lost all my, you know, arbitrage and I've never quite, you know, mentally been happy with paid again. But, you know, what is it about paid that, you, you know, kind of resonated with you? How did you get into doing, you know, paid marketing and, and, and why, why B2B? I couldn't be more opposite than that thought there. And I started back in 2004, 2005, actually with Overture, which was Yahoo's system back at the time. Um, and, you know, just through various travels and various positions, you know, ended up trying to figure out what worked the best at the time, kind of for each different, you know, vertical, basically. Um, and that led through social, paid social. But, you know, I think the one thing I love about paid ads, and especially B2B, paid ads, um, is I think there's a lot of creativity around it, right? That it's not just let's write an ad. Like, what is that offer? How are we speaking to this person? Are we talking, are, are we mirroring the right message to that persona? Where are they landing? You know, can we turn them into an MQL instead of an SQL? Like, what can we do specifically to get them into that funnel to actually convert down the road? And I think it's like, um, it, it's problem solving 101, which is why I really love it. Um, and again, it's it's instant. You can see it's 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 much more data behind it, like instant data. Where many times with SEO, you know, you it takes a while for things to work and and all that. Um, but it's like I know how many people clicked on this ad version. I know how many people converted. I know how many people, um, you, you know, what my um, what my uh, c customer acquisition cost is. So that's one of the reasons I love it. And I think that there is some creativity behind it. Um, well, I, I think definitely the creativity today plays in so much different, right? Because I, I think most of us got, you know, a little bit, you know, segmented when we first started because there was a very small population that was actually using the web for SEO or for for purchasing or sales or education, whatever. And so it was very like, these are the words that work. This is, this is the format that works. You have to have the little arrow, you know, you have to do your little things and this is how you convert. And I think that storytelling has evolved so much in, in the adoption of technology in so many different ways from speaking devices to, you know, laptops to tablets and, you know, even virtual reality and some of these other aspects. I think that like the creativity of storytelling through even ads has become, you know, extremely vast and, 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 and interesting at this point. Um, you know, I, so I would say that I, I could see that side of it. Yeah, and I think too, it's it's a lot easier to be creative on the ad side, B two B wise. 
um, you know, it it's it's a big ask for some companies to go down a, a full on, um, you know, content route or fully inbound or organic route. But on the paid side, if you set everything up, you've got all these workflows, you've got a process in place, you know, there is a lot of uh, creativity in just the way you bring people in, uh, you nurture them and turn them into those sales. So again, I think that's why on the B2B side, uh, I personally just just love it. So B2B, I mean, that's it's always that question that you hear. It's like, well, what about if you're in B2B? Like, you know, how do these tactics apply? One of the answers I've had in business is probably because I'm a lot into social and maybe because I was, you know, really more deep into a lot of these very, very um, marketing strategies early on in my career. But it all came down to like, well, the decision makers aren't necessarily like the CEO. It's a lot of times, you know, individuals in the company who are being asked their recommendations and they participate in the web the same way that you're, you know, a B2C would participate. And so a lot of the marketing strategies between B2C and B2B would kind of be the same. People would ask me, how would you do it different in social? I'd be like, well, you don't really, you know, I mean, you're kind of, you know, you just, you pick the topics that they're interested in and then you're, you're writing the same content. How do you see, um, B2B being significantly or even, even non-significant? Um, how do you see that there being a difference between B2C, B2B and, um, B2C today? Yeah, that's a great question. And my answer is, for B2B, you almost have to work harder in general, right? You have to work harder to get the right audience. You have to work harder to um, get them into your sales pipeline, right? You have to work harder to then nurture them to turn into that actual sale. So there's a lot more steps, especially for some of the the, the larger kind of you know dollar conversions, right? And then on the same side, there's a, a thing I love about B2B where not a lot of people do it well. Right. And mm-hmm. if you are have your your ducks in a row and you know exactly what's going on and you've got a plan that's a great plan, you can really kind of mop up the competition where I think B2C is a little bit more cutthroat. Right. Anytime you see any of these Google events, you see Adidas, you see all these B2C brands, you see all this different stuff out there. Um, and I, I think the B2B is a little bit overlooked on there. Uh, but again, to dial everything in. There's just some more precision that's needed on the B2B side. And, and that's why, it, you know, today I brought a variety of things I think you should be looking at in 2020 if you are a B2B advertiser. So jumping into those in just one second, I want to ask one other question. And that's just, you know, how do you how would you describe kind of the scope beyond the simple ad when it comes to valuing these conversions? Cause like you made a really good point there that, you know, with B2B it's a lot harder because you might have, I mean, some B2B um, companies I know have touch points that last years, right? Exactly. That, that, that there's just a lot that needs to be done to really kind of see how your B2B ads play into those longer term strategies. Um, so I don't know if, if that's going to be included in some of your tips or not, but I would love to, to just hear a little bit about some of the kind of the low hanging fruit or the top areas, you know, that you really focus on when you're trying to track that B2B, you know, paid spend to an ROI. Yeah, that's a, that's another great point, and and that's something where we've got B two B is such a broad term, right? We've got B two B e commerce companies where we sell millions of dollars of of e commerce to other businesses. That's B two B. You've got demand gen where you know to, to your point, it's probably a higher dollar, much longer sales cycle there, 
and it's a variety of everything. So I wanted to talk a little bit about attribution, but you know, a good example, we just brought a new client on um, that's a B2B SaaS product, right? Um, and kind of the demand gen flavor. And we're looking at, at Microsoft and the conversion value that we saw in Microsoft was, was nothing basically. Um, but when we're looking at their HubSpot funnels and looking at their, their, you know, again, kind of those different touch points in a different attribution model, we could see that there was a lot of value there. Um, and so I think it's it's one of the things that I, I wanted to talk about in a bit here, um, but defining, you know, what is success for you? You know, is it the, the what you see in GA, you know, last touch, or are you looking at assisted conversions, coming up with whatever CRM you're working with and, you know, doing that, but, but really defining that is critical. It's critical to, to define it ahead of time um, and not just look back because whenever you're looking back and starting to put plans in place, you always kind of, uh, you kind of make the numbers, the numbers can, can be flexible in a way. So I think setting that up initially is, is the way to go to get the most success. Absolutely. So, um, going, you know, we, we talked a bit about, you know, kind of B2B and, and so forth as far as like where do we get into it, some of the challenges. But, you know, going into 2020 where we're at now, um, looking at again, kind of saying, let's set the stage, you know, what are, you know, let's kind of dive into that list of your 15 things that, you know, or, or 15 or more, depending on how we, we dive through the conversation, things that we really need to be focusing on if you're in B2B advertising um, today and, and in the future. Great. Yeah. And one of the, the, the first things that was one of my absolute favorite things in 2019 that Google Ads released was the ability to audience target and search. And so you can target based off of not just age, gender, household income. You can make combinations of that. Um, so you can make these these custom groups and, and really target to who, who you're looking for. And the one thing that we've seen a lot of success with specifically is targeting based off of in-market audiences. So you can run search now and say, if somebody's in the market for something like business and industrial products, you can take that and take those bids and bid them higher. Um, same as if somebody's in, in the market for home and garden and you've got, you know, something that, that could go either way, you know, it, maybe you're selling the industrial version of it. You can bid some of those down. Um, how, how is, how is in the market defined? Um, so that's Google gives rough definitions of it. It's basically if somebody has been um, searching for that, if their history shows that, you can actually go to your Google history and see what Google thinks you're in the market for. Um, I don't have that link off the top of my head. We could probably put it in the show notes. And you can see everything Google thinks you are interested in, and it is spooky on target, spooky. Um, Interesting. So that's, I, I that's, mean, that's you kind of see that with retargeting ads, right? You constantly see, but retargeting ads is like I've been to a website and therefore now I have an interest. Now you've, I've heard some stories and I've seen some stories where it's like, you know, I didn't really go to that website and I'm being retargeted for something that I'm actually interested in, which starts to make you wonder, kind of, you know, you know, conspiracy theories of you know apps listening to you and stuff. But beyond all the conspiracy theories, you can definitely see a sense of like really good targeting at this point. And I do think, am I accurate in saying that really? you know the surgeons are kind of guided by social i mean facebook's ability to use you know the third party you know uh connections they had to really put their audience targeting is that kind of what drove audience targeting into search a hundred percent hundred percent i in in my opinion i think google ads looked at themselves and said we're behind right we've got all this money flowing towards interest-based 
you know, advertising and we're here, we're still stuck on this keyword level. Um, and you see Google moving further and further and further from the keyword level where now close variants are in phrase match and modified broad match exact. There's no exact match anymore in, in reality. And you see them adding these layers on to really kind of compete and give people the ability to target different personas, not just that keyword, but to target different personas. And again, that's something that I love it where you now can can kind of juxtapose these in-market audiences or maybe it's even age. You know, maybe your purchaser is is typically of certain age. You got to be a little bit careful about jobs and housing, but there's a lot you can do to make sure you're spending correct. Beautiful. And uh, what do you what do you think about lookalike audiences? I mean, is that I mean, in the market is not really quite a quote unquote like a lookalike. Or do you see that coming soon, or do you see that being incorporated by, kind of behind the scenes with Google? Yeah. So you can use similar audiences on Google Ads now, okay. and it, it it's better than expected. You know, um, the, the the issue is you need to take everything conservative and and bid appropriately. Um, and then, you know, one of the issues I have in Go- with Google Ads in general um, is mobile, typically for anything that's not a real one-to-one match, underperforms. So if you've got some, you know, similar audiences, you're doing other bid adjustments, and you're being really meticulous, especially from B to B, I think that you'll you can see success. You kind of again, you have to work for it. There's nothing easy in B to B advertising on Google Ads. Well, speaking of audiences, uh, LinkedIn audiences. Yeah. And, you know, LinkedIn is kind of the thought leader in B2B advertising, right? For sure. Um, And, you know, one thing that we've seen a lot of success with over the past year specifically is the demographic report and seeing all the different job titles and functions and companies that are being pulled into your, uh, that are showing to your ads. So you can now exclude some of those audiences. So with the demographic report, hop in there and take a look at the audiences your ads are showing to, right? If you are targeting a specific topic, you might say, I don't want this job title, I don't want this function, I don't want this company. Um, And so what we did is we put together a big list of, um, uh, and showed all these different things that you can do to to see it, but LinkedIn does limit the number of exclusions you can make. You can only exclude 175. Um, but it's a great way, again, to dial that in so that you're not overspending. That to, That's one of the keys you're going to hear throughout these tips is like we need to get the audience and we need to not spend on people that aren't right for us. And I love the fact that you can remove those job titles and functions and companies that don't make sense for you. Um, and again, that's in all there for you in the demographic report. Well, I think especially we could say B2B across the board is typically a higher cost, you know, acquisition. But I mean, especially, you know, on LinkedIn, um, the cost can be extremely high. They know that their market, they know that, you know, um, they can really deliver. And so we've been given a new number of times like certain budgets to go test on LinkedIn. And, and, and you can get your, your clicks can get really high really quick. So being to, able to exclude audiences is 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 almost essential on a platform like that. Yeah, and that's another thing I think is is a misnomer about LinkedIn is yes, the clicks are high, but the clicks are valuable. They're so valuable and don't get scared off just by price. Actually test everything. Look at what those what, what that conversion rate is. Look at your customer acquisition cost and and don't be afraid of a high price. Be afraid of low value and LinkedIn is not low value. Awesome. So where are we at next? 
So, yeah. So again, I think that those first two really, you can show um, how to exclude or, you know, on, on some of the audience targeting, you can, you know, bid a little bit higher. Another thing that I think I, what we've seen success with in 2019, and I think is going to continue to improve in 2020 is custom intent audiences. And as we mentioned, Google is moving away from the keyword specifically. And what you can do with custom intent audiences is you can target people that have potentially been in the market or searched for specific terms and you can take it off of actual search and use it for YouTube. You can use it for display. You can use it, um, again for Gmail ads, let's say. Um, so custom intent audiences are interesting because you don't sit there and you wait for somebody to search for a term. You can go out and buy display ads, uh, responsive display ads, whatever you're looking for and use those, uh, on the display network, let's say. Um, and the one thing that I love about it that I don't hear people talk about a lot is you not only can add in keywords, but you can add in domains and specific URLs. So let's say you're a college and you don't wanna, you wanna target people that are maybe interested in college, you can target the US uh, News and World Reports college guide, not the whole US News and World Reports. So I think you can get really granular with it, um, again, you, you mean as far as like where you actually put your display ads, right? You, you can say, I only want to put it in certain sections of a domain, not necessarily the entire domain, correct? No, that, that, that's the cool thing about it. It's, it's, that would be a placement, which has been around for a long time. Yeah, that's what... You know, custom intent is people who have been interested in a page like that. They may have searched and had that, that page displayed to them. They may have clicked on through to that page. So it's not just that page because many times... Um, that page might not have ads on it, you know? And, and so you can say, I want to get people on this page. They're not running ads. How can I still get to my customer there? Um, yeah. If you went to this magazine or this trade show website, I know that you're in my, my audience just because that trade show doesn't run ads. I don't care. I know that you've been there and I want to show ads to you. So it's like retargeting and lookalikes almost like combined in a sense or intent combined in a sense. You're, you're saying, you know, that it gives you that opportunity to find people who are going to be like the people who are, have that intent, but, you know, haven't necessarily landed on a specific page. Yeah, I think it's I think it's exactly like what you talked about before, where it's Google getting away from keywords and into interests and into what people are consuming. Beautiful. Love it. What, what's next? Where are we at? We are on number four. What is that? Yeah. And we and number four is something I think is important. And and there's been a huge hubbub about it in 2019. And it's basically competitor advertising, advertising on competitor names. Oh, interesting. That's been definitely a heated conversation for the last decade. Yes. But I have a different twist. I have a kind and gentle twist to this, Brent. So my, what I want, what I, we've seen is if we've got somebody that's a customer, somebody that's had... Uh, again, maybe more than one transaction. Maybe they are a sales qualified lead here um, for a company. Um, we can segment that audience and do retargeting lists for search ads, RLSAs, uh, for competitor names so that we aren't only blanketing a competitor, but we know if this person has showed interest in us, taken action on our site, is somebody that can convert for us, maybe they are our, con uh, our current customer, we can show the ad for somebody when they look for a competitor. And I think that's something that we'll see more of is people really getting creative with the 
the way that they retarget in search specifically. So well, there's also there's also a different way to advertise to somebody who's just looking for your product versus advertising to somebody who's looking for your product compared to somebody else's product, right? And so that's where you can start really getting into that creative side of your ad copy and your your delivery and everything else. Is that now you know these people are not only interested in you, but they're interested in shopping to find out if you're the best value or the, have the best features, right? Would you start to showcase things like that, like specific features that might make you unique or price points? How, how, do we, how would you tap into that? Yeah, again, I think it's on a case-by-case basis, but the nice thing is if you're doing it with RLSAs, you know, you are, are, are by definition, you know, they have to have an interaction with you and, and that audience you put them in. So I think it's what, what was that interaction? You know, did they download a guide on a specific industrial, you know, uh, a product you've got? Um, okay, well, how do you, what, what's another message we can we can upsell them? Is it something about a webinar? Like, hey, just so you know, we've got the webinar that talks about uh, X product, um, hop on over, or we've got a comprehensive guide or a cheat sheet or a template or something like that. I think it's being creative with it and kind of matching that messaging up. Beautiful. I mean, we've talked a bit now about Google, but what? Are, where are you at with MSN? I mean, not MSN, Jesus. Um, it's a little bit dated. Microsoft advertising, Bing, stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, Microsoft advertising, the artist formerly known as Bing ads. Um, you know, I think first off, it's overlooked in general. And replicating your Google ads to Microsoft and even just taking those bids down you should be doing that, A. So that that's overlooked in general. B, I think what we're going to see here in 2020 is right now it's a it's a pilot, it's a beta. Um, but the LinkedIn profile targeting that you can, again, kind of parlay along with keywords is going to be important where you can say, I only want to, to I want to bid up on this keyword for these specific companies or industries or job functions. Um, that is super powerful. And when that comes out of beta for everybody, um, which I would imagine is here in 2020, uh, that's going to be huge. So get your Microsoft advertising in shape and then be prepared to supercharge this thing once LinkedIn profile targeting um, is live. So Microsoft has you know, a lot of interesting partnerships. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they the ones who control... Um uh, DuckDuckGo as well, and some of the ads that run in different networks like that, correct? I believe so. Yeah, and so they have a lot of interesting, you know, kind of connections now since they, you know, obviously the LinkedIn connection is going to be really interesting. But um, beyond that, like, what would you say somebody looking, you know, because it's always been historically like, okay, well, Google's like the lion's share, right? I mean, it's where you you get the, the mass audience. And, and I think that, you know, Bing has always been, in my mind, you know, really good converter, right? Like, but, but, but a much smaller audience. Would you say that that's a, a proper assessment of the difference between the two? Or is there something else that, you know, you, you'd like to kind of correct or to kind of, you know, expand on? I'm going to get some flat for this answer, I'm sure. But at least from a pure B2B perspective, A, I think that the Microsoft advertising audience is a bit more remedial in their technology. Right. Like a lot of these people probably think they're Googling something. They hit that little search bar at the bottom of their computer, typed it in and Googled it. But in reality, they bu- they bung, bung it. it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Bung <laughs> it. You know, I love it. <laughs> they're out there bunging and they didn't even know that. You know, so I think that's one. And then the other thing from a B2B perspective that people don't think of is many people have huge security 
um, you know, you know, issues at the company and can't put something like Chrome on and can't do these things and end up just using, uh, you know, a Microsoft product and they're binging again. So I think that from that reason, from a B2B side, you need to look at Microsoft. It makes perfect sense. And I, I don't know what it was recently, but there's been a lot of like um, search overrides, right? Like installed search overrides where all of a sudden I'm going to search, you know, I'm typing in a Chrome you know, uh, address in the window and it's going and it's redirecting to a Bing search result. And I'm like, ah, you know, I think it was, uh, I think it's something that was installed, some kind of app, something, and I was able to clean it up. But there's definitely a lot of that out there because I believe that historically Bing did a lot for market share based on toolbars and a lot of these different, you know, kind of affiliate things and, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. A lot of that still kind of trickles through, I think, in some regards. So there's a lot of opportunities to end up on Bing. I definitely agree. Um, yeah. And a side note on that, we, we had, we're targeting mechanics for, for one of our clients. We did all Bing. Bing absolutely killed it. You know, nice. these these folks weren't Chrome power users. Bing can work really well. Test it out. See what works for you. So let's talk a bit about Twitter. Yeah, and I know that one thing we saw some really good success with in 2019, um, and it launched in a way you would never think would be a B2B use case, which is why I'm trying to bring a new take on it, is conversation topics. Um, it started around TV, where people could, advertisers could, again, run ads with people talking about a specific show. Um, but now, there are lots of brands that people are talking about. There are lots of products. There are lots of conferences that people are talking about. Um, so we saw some really good success on a B2B standpoint in 2019. Um, again, you got to kind of be big enough to be a brand or product that's in there. But people kind of slept on that because it came out from a TV perspective purely. Um, but you can use that now and say, somebody's talking about your brand, somebody's talking about a competitor brand. Why don't you try that advertising and see what works for you? And we're talking about taking and then basically promoting their tweet when they're talking about you, right? Yeah, it's a Twitter ad. And so you can do it on interest topics, you know, uh, people that they're similar to follow other profiles, which have kind of been done before. And, you know, just something to test out is if you've got your brand or your product or a competitor that shows there or the conversation topic, give it a test. See if it works. Our sponsor for the podcast, Ahrefs, has an awesome set of tools that have become an industry standard for just about every SEO out there. For instance, if you're not getting any real significant search traffic, href has tools that can help you find topics worth creating pages or content on. You can easily see the estimated search volumes and gauge traffic potential with their keyword explorer tool, and that can help you create content that would drive more search traffic. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Moving on, kind of just keep, keeping going through our list, uh, we're going to talk about uh, lookalikes on LinkedIn. Did we touch on that earlier when we talked about audiences a little bit, or we is is that still something that we, we need to discuss? 
We talked about it for Google with similar. Oh, articles. that's right. And, and this is something that launched back in March of 2019 um, and can, can, again, work really well. If you can get a lower cost per click on a LinkedIn lookalike audience, go for it. Um, you know, this is something that, uh, again, when you talk about LinkedIn being pricey, you need to to zig when others are zagging, right? And if you can target a LinkedIn audience at a lower CPC, maybe um, try that, see if it works, um, you know, and, and, and it's all about what works best. So just giving you some ideas to try for all you being, uh, B2B advertisers out there in 2020. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of lookalikes. Just, I mean, especially just, you know, not for nothing, but I remember the study that came out that was like, you know, um, breaking down how many likes it took on Facebook until Facebook could basically know you better than something. I don't know if you remember this. They were like, you know, 15 likes and it knows you better than your high school friends. And, you know, 20 likes, it likes you, it knows you better than this. But by 300 likes, it was like at 300 likes, Facebook knows your interest better than your your, your significant other, right? Better than your spouse. <laughs> um, and, and it was a really legit study and they were kind of running through it. And it really got me looking at lookalikes and thinking, you know, they're really good at knowing what, what people like. And if they can get down to a point where everybody has made enough signals, which most people have, then lookalike audiences become really powerful. And I remember, you know, just, be, you know, not just between us, because we're talking live in public, but one, you know, I had a conversation with some people at Facebook. And, and at one point, you know, we were having a, a discussion about lookalikes and um, similar audiences and things like that. And a group of marketers who are some of the top in the world in this space, and literally everyone agreed that the only thing worth using at all right now when it comes down to audience selections was lookalikes on Facebook and a couple other places. So, you know, that might be a, a strong statement. There's always ways to make everything work. But if you're if you're wondering about the power of it, you know, whispered in bars and between private conversations, just about everybody in this space is talking about lookalikes and the power of them. Yeah, totally. And then B2B lookalikes. I mean, now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> so maximizing conversion value. Um, number eight. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that, um, was a huge, huge upgrade that we got in 2019 was the ability to, with Google ads really have more control over conversions. Um, and for a long time you could maximize the conversion value or you could, you know, um, or sorry, maximize the conversions or you, you could do target CPA, but you were kind of stuck with conversions. And now, as of June-ish of 2019, you can choose which actions to bid for at a campaign level. And if you've got like a variety of, of products, let's say, or a variety of, of leads and how much they're worth, like right, maybe you've got an MQL that's worth a quarter of lifetime value of an SQL, um, you can put that in and you can bid towards conversion value. Um, so I think the main thing here is you either set up each one of your campaigns in Google ads with the proper conversion. Um, you know, again, maybe your MQL campaigns are going to be, uh, substantially less than your SQL campaigns or bottom funnel stuff. Um, but you can use more than just a basic generic universal conversion, which is super exciting. Yeah, it's interesting because um, with with conversions, like every time you go in, you're like set up your ad, you know, across the different platforms, it's always like, what do you want? You want a CPC or you want a CPM or you want to go off conversions or you want to go off, you know, different value structures um, as far as setting the campaigns. But, you know, and this might be part of the reason why I get annoyed with paid advertising in general is that like 
I end up going, I don't know. I, I want the one that works best, you know. And I, I think that that's not necessarily a straightforward, you know, question and answer as which one works best, right? But where, where do you kind of approach this? Is there, are they using, you know, is Google or Facebook or all of these other sites that incorporate different, you know, conversion, you know, methods to set for your ads? Are they just incorporating, you know, elements of how likely people are to click through or how likely they are to make a purchase or, you know, how do they really determine some of that? Yeah. So a lot of, you know, a lot of the specific targeting, like say target ROAS or something like that, it is e-commerce only. So we can kind of forget that, let's say, but it's, it's about when you're putting your conversions in and, and loading those in, how much are they worth? What's the value on that? And I think that's something that people miss, especially on the B2B side is that not all conversions are created equal, you know? So if you get somebody that's bottom of funnel, mid funnel, you know, they're probably worth a lot more than top of funnel stuff people that don't even know you that are just downloading, you know, whatever asset you're pushing. So, um, it, it all comes back to that point of getting your ducks in a row. Maybe that could be another podcast down the road about, you know, how do you set all these funnels up? What, what is the demand gen process look like? But it, it, it's, you need to figure out what is valuable to you, what that actual value is, and then work backward, right? Like if you don't start with the end in mind, you're just never going to get anywhere. Awesome. So number nine, we're talking about CCPA, which I don't even know what that means. You got to tell me. Okay. Well, the CCPA is is something new. It's 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 almost like the GDPR of California. Oh God, say. I know what this is. I, I say I don't know what this is, but this just popped up because we just went through this with Search Engine Journal. Yeah. Yes, and it's the California Consumer Privacy Act is the actual name of it. Um, and the reason I put this on here is because this could tank you if you don't get ahead of it. Yeah. It's not some real specific tactic, but the tactic is communicate with your clients, communicate with your boss if you're in-house, and get all this under control. Um, you know, some of the uh, fines, I think it's they don't happen until July, but be proactive as a marketer. It's your duty to to make sure everything is under control. You've get you are complying to the CCPA. Um, and don't just sit there. You need to talk to your clients. You need to talk to your boss. You need to talk to everybody and let them know this is under control because what could happen is you could have a freeze on spending. You could really tank your 2020, um, for weeks at a time. You know, if, if you don't, if you don't address this head on and make sure everybody is comfortable, especially your clients. Yeah, and I think that the, the age, I mean, we, we had a couple compliance things over the last decade or so where, you know, you, you needed to make some adjustments, but you had a little bit of runway, right? Even um, the GDPA, like uh, even with that one, it was like you had like a year to you had to be compliant, right? But th these things are starting to speed up and people are really starting to be, um, you know, all the old people who would, you know, patent watch or troll or patent troll or who people who would really look for copyright infringements or any of that type of stuff. We're starting to see a lot of that come into compliance, like where one case all of a sudden opens up thousands of cases. And especially with um, what I understand the CCPA is that there is a maximum fee. I think it's like a couple thousand dollars or something like that, a maximum fee, but there's not a number of maximum maximum uh, um, uh, fees that can be made of that, right? So you could have like 100 violations and each one of them can have a max fee, but they can add up really quick. So it, it's kind of started to look pretty scary um, with the way that it, it needs to be implemented and so forth. So definitely uh, research into that and kind of, uh, I would agree, get on top of that um, and avoid being like one of the unlucky early ones, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And the CCPA doesn't even apply to most folks. So um, 
again, just let people know who you're dealing with. Um, that either you have it under control, this are the steps you've done, um, or what your plan is. Let's talk about Facebook. I mean, we've talked a little bit. I've referenced it a little bit, but Facebook, uh, Instagram targeting, uh, in case you don't know Facebook and Instagram, I believe use the same advertising system still today, correct? Yep, it's, it's Facebook Ads Manager. Yeah. So, yeah. And one of the my biggest pet peeves is when you get a new B2B client coming on, um, they immediately throw Facebook and Instagram by the wayside. They say, oh, we, we need, we're targeting B2B. It's like, you know what? You can target people that work at a specific company on Facebook. You could target, uh, you know, substantially, even at a minimum, doing remarketing to Facebook and Instagram. Test it out. You know, try that. You can eat, at least you're staying top of mind. If you do it on a CPC basis, you know, you're only paying when somebody's clicking. So you don't have a ton to lose. Frequency cap it. Do whatever you have to do, but don't just throw it out. You know, that's maybe what your competitor is doing. Um, they sure not. And again, there is a lot of valuable targeting that you can do with Facebook ads. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I just don't know how many times I've sat in an office as the decision maker, looked at, you know, an admin, looked at, a, you know, junior marketer and said, you know, go test these, you know, tools out and come back with the two or three you think are the best ones for us to use. And then, you know, really kind of come back afterwards and made it, you know, a choice. I think that happens in B2B all the time. I think that a lot of decision makers are looking at, you know, regular users to recommend and those people people having you know your product in their mind and putting them on the recommendation list can lead to at least either validating a sale or getting a sale started you know so it's definitely something i i agree with totally video i love video i think video is everything um i think that it's everywhere we're going and um youtube is just one of those areas that you know <laughs> How do you even talk? YouTube's one of those areas I just don't think people really appreciate how impactful YouTube in itself has been to creating internet culture, to changing entertainment culture, to really kind of um, evolving a lot of our storytelling across the board. And yet, when you think about YouTube, there's very few in my mind uh, companies that are doing a ton on it. Um, you know, and, and the ones that are, are crushing it, right? I mean, I think um, if you really want to talk about a story, uh, TikTok is a great example of a company that basically flooded YouTube with just tons of ads. And, and like the ads or not, they caught a lot of flack. A lot of people thought the ads were crap. They were getting tired of seeing it. It, it, it propelled them to being the number one app in the app store. It propelled them to having, I think, 500 plus million active users. I mean, it really, really did a great job and it has for many, many other companies, yet still so few people are really on, on YouTube. And uh, yeah, what, what, do you, what do you think is really good for B2B with YouTube? Yeah, and I think from an advertising perspective, people discount it, right? Your B2B, my, my audience isn't on YouTube. Well, guess what? They are. And even at a minimum, if you're doing running remarketing on there, you can also, again, parlay those audiences with YouTube. So you can say, um, you know, I've got age, which is, is typically something that's worth at least observing, um, you know, with Google ads. Uh, if you're a parent, income, gender, there's, there's a variety of things, even, you know, topics, which have been around for a while. You can um, exclude, you can add. And I think it's it's the combination that we're seeing now is how you win with B2B, making sure that, you know, 
all right, I know that my, my decision maker here is 25 plus or whatever age you, you care about. You can make it so you, you don't spend towards uh, people that quite frankly are never going to convert. Another thing to remember is I still, my personally, I do this and a lot of other people do. We're always kind of tied to this idea of view count and, you know, followers and numbers that indicate, you know, popularity, right? And so definitely, um, uh, you know, getting some exposure on videos can help a lot with the organic side as far as ranking for more views and things like that as well. So it's, it's, it's kind of got a little bit of a residual effect on that side as well. Exactly. Number 12 paying for our conversions let's talk a little bit yes about that. and this was new in 2019 and i just need to give a disclaimer this might be the worst launch that google ads has ever done <laughs> it doesn't work in google ads editor it is super buggy and you can cost yourself so much money if you do this wrong so that's my disclaimer but if you know what you're doing and you set your budgets appropriately, you can do really, really well with this. Um, so instead of paying on a per click basis like we might have uh, done for the past, you can then pay only when a conversion happens, which is fantastic. Um, you have to make sure those conversions are specifically defined. Like again, you probably only want MQLs, SQLs, uh, purchases, something like that. Um, but if you're trying to, if you're big in demand gen, you've got a lot of conversions coming in and you qualify, um, it is something that is great because you literally only pay when that conversion happens. So it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because every time I look at that, and I don't do a lot with paid ads just in general, but every time I see the pay for conversion, I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't do that. Like, why would you not, like, I, my conversion value? I mean, you know what you're going into PPC, right? You know you're going in and saying, like, look, if we get a lead that, that, that sells, we want, if I get $100, if I pay $100 for that, it's worth it. It's worth it to me, right? But if I pay $150, it's no longer worth it, right? So we know what our value is for conversions. And you can, in my guess, you could probably scale that. So why why aren't more people? Is it just that it's hard to set up that conversion model to track properly? What, what is keeping people from really only using this? Well, A, nobody talks about this. It's it's crazy. I don't know why, why people don't talk about it. We've got one BDC client that absolutely cleans up with this, cleans up with this. It, it's phenomenal. And then others just don't do anything. Um, but the thing I think that's the biggest detriment is um, it is a beast. It is a beast. It doesn't operate on normal daily budgets. You can spend um, whatever your daily budget is, just for the record. This is why I say be careful and contact me, I guess, if, if you've got a question. Um, but you can spend up to 30 times, 30.4 times what your daily budget is in one day. In one day. In one that's day. insane. In, Yes. So it, people going and putting like a you you go and you put a ten thousand dollar budget in here. Next thing you know, you got like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, man. That's insane. You, yes, you, you could spend up to uh, three or what did you say, ten thousand dollars? You could yeah. spend up to three hundred thousand dollars in three hundred and forty thousand dollars in that day, and you can't get a refund. That's insane. I mean, you get a yes. lot of conversions, but you better hope you got it set up right. Right, right. And then the thing is, you need to be completely just paranoid about what your conversions are now, in there. You know, if you've got a page view or time on site conversion, you're going to get killed. Yeah, you're going to get destroyed. killed. That's what I was saying. It's like, it really comes down to being able to have a solid, like I, I somebody has made a purchase and the conversion is on the thank you page, right? It's like, it's got, it has to feel like it has to be something really strong. Um, right. For, for that kind of process to go through. But I, I, you're, you're involved with this. This is something that is acknowledged by Google as being kind of like, you know, uh, 
granted, we know it's rough, but give us another 12 months, we're going to launch some new features? Or is this something that's because it's not being used as much is always going to remain buggy and remain risky? Like, what's your view on this going forward? My view on this is they're probably not going to have this in 2021. Um, But if you really know what you're doing, you can get this to work here in 2020. I don't know. It seems like this is not supported well. If you want more Google rants, you could check out Marketing O'Clock podcast. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I think in general this was a good thought. I don't know how they they haven't supported it again. It doesn't work in ads editor, and it's just it, it's wild. It's a wild ride. But if you tame this beast, you can tame your 2020. Beautiful. Let's let's jump on to the the number 13 in our list: uh, better offerings, demand gen. Yes, and that's one thing that people you know, historically in B2B, I've just been lazy with, um, you know, you look at these, these high end SaaS companies and the way that they're nurturing leads, the way that they're bringing people on with value. Um, you know, you see a lot of these traditional B2B companies not, not taking that approach. And I don't know why, you know, it's 2020, you need to really get more leads, nurture them into sales. And that's on you, right? And that's, that's me talking to you. That's something you can't just put off here in 2020. So how do you make an asset that somebody wants to download? How do you get somebody to hand their information over? How do you nurture them throughout their process? How do you turn them into a sale? You need to stop just giving people a hard decision about, yeah, I want the demo or not. Yeah, I want to contact or not. You need to really actually try. And you, and, you, and, you, <laughs> and you see that, you know, examples, right? You'll see tool companies that will put together webinars that will talk about how to incorporate features from their premium version and how they can do different things in webinars. And that drives in a lot of lead gen. You see, you know, we do a lot of webinars in Search Engine Journal. Um, you, you see ebooks are a great way. You see video library or, you know, um, online conferences. There's, there's a lot of options out there that can drive quite a bit, especially Especially the studies. I mean, studies are huge for that. Like people, journalists, everybody are out there looking for data. And so if you can put together, you know, a good study, you know, call it a white paper, a study, an ebook, whatever. And, you know, that that information is something people are looking for. Then you, you, you'll definitely drive a lot of leads. And now you just have to find a way to drive leads that are quantifiable and that, you know, you can actually convert. You know, I mean, I can get 10,000 leads that would never buy your product. It's not going to help. But I definitely think there's a lot of options out there. there's a lot of platforms out there it's not quite as hard to create some of this stuff as it used to be you just have to be creative exactly 100 percent. check out yeah check out what SCJ does you're half targeting b2c a lot of b2b and it's phenomenal you got webinars you got ebooks you've got everything pod i mean you're across the gamut that's, the, f- the funny that's- thing is is that um honestly B2B is what crushes, you know, for our, our B2B advertisers, you know, on Search Engine Journal. I mean, it's really, we're, we're primarily, a lot of our audience is B2B. So a lot of what we do is B2B. Exactly. Yep. So lead gen. Be helpful in 2020. And, and we were talking about, you know, a lot of, you know, these ways in which you can drive people through, you know, um, giving you their information, giving you their lead. And, and, and so that kind of segues into talking a little bit about lead gen forms. Yeah. And that's something as well that, you know, Google has launched, uh, it's mobile only now. Um, but there's a, a variety of different, different options that you've got, you know, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, um, give it a test. Typically lead gen forms, um, there's the, the, 
quality may be a little bit depreciated from something else. But again, that's something Google has is launching now. It's in beta, but it's going to be mobile only. Um, but in 2020, give that a test and see if it works for you um, and get, get, make it easy for people to give their information over. Yeah, and one thing I would say on that is that Facebook has been doing lead gen ads for a long time, and there's a lot of people out there who have written a lot of really good articles about how to get the most out of it and how to keep people emotionally connected. Um, and, and so I would definitely research some of these things and look uh, to be able to use some of those. Additionally, I mean, really, there's an interesting, there's a couple articles that I've read over the last couple of years, and I'll summarize it down to this, is that the you really want to be careful with how much information you ask for and when you ask for it, because people feel put off by too many fields. At the same time, you do need to get the information you need to quantify your lead, right? So, exactly. so what, what a lot of people recommend you do, and you see this a lot in um, my friend Eric Wu would talk about a lot about emotional kind of, you know, commitment to to a process, right? So um, he would talk a lot about how you could get people three or four steps in and then they feel emotionally connected to finishing the form. So I would definitely look at, you know, the process of emotionally connecting people to, to the, the form process. How do you keep them going all the way through, um, but not asking for too much at one time. Um, yeah. And to piggyback on that specifically, sometimes with these automated lead gen forms, the con uh, conversion is, is too easy, right? And so putting that messaging on there to say, request a call or have somebody contact me today, let them know that they are getting that, uh, ke keeps it a little bit warm. You'll get more warmer leads, right? You might nice. get less leads, but many times it's almost too easy when your 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 information is, is pre-filled. Beautiful. Last topic, number 15, go where others aren't. And I think that's a, a really great way to kind of close on this. And I'll let you kind of uh, uh, give your spiel on that. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of this has been zigging on the zags. And, and you know, where can you get extra value? Where is it less crowded? You know, and if we're talking about Cura, um, Reddit ads took a big dip in 2019 with some of the, you know, minimum bids and things like that. Um, but Captera, G2 Crowd, like where are your your customers living um, that aren't Google Ads, that aren't Microsoft, that aren't Facebook? Um, you know, obviously, there's ad platforms for all of these. Um, and then, you know, you're a big Reddit guy. There's a lot you should be doing that, that aren't ads, too. So, you know, ads are great. Go where other people aren't going and test, test, test. Yeah, I, I, this happens so often, and I know it kind of goes away from B2B ads, but I think it's it's a point that kind of validates in this is that a lot of times people are too focused on tactics, too focused on what's the next thing they should be doing and not really thinking about how they get to their goal, right? You ask somebody, what do you want to do? They almost always say, I want to make more money, right? I want to sell more books. I want to sell more services. I want to get more page views. It's always this kind of like, I want a bigger number. But when you really look at like, you know, how to get that, a lot of times people won't look at what's the, the kind of low hanging fruit. Now, an example I say a lot on this is you have somebody come and say, I want to increase conversions on my site by 10%. So I want to go and build a portal site that's going to be a blog and we're going to link build and we're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and try to link, get, get some more traffic coming into our conversion. And I'm like, hey, your cart abandoned rate is 95%. Why don't you do some A-B testing and drop it to 85% and there's your 10% more conversions, right? And so it's sometimes where we look is not the easiest 
you know, path to finding our goal. And I think sometimes we need to step back and remember that it's the goal that matters the most. And, and, and there's a lot of options out there. Forums are still a strong place for some people. You know, going, 100%. going to a local grocery store or a local conference and handing out flyers, you know, being a sponsor. There's so many other areas um, that we need to focus on that we really need to look at how are we successful. Um, and I'll make one other comment. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but this also happens a lot with search. A lot of people are like, I want to rank. And I'm like, yeah you know, $500,000 in, you might be on page three based on what you're trying to accomplish and where you're trying to get. However, nobody has this, you know, nobody's gotten reviews or stars on this Yelp page, which is ranking number two. Like, exactly. Just exactly. get the Yelp reviews. And, yes. and that's, that's that barnacle SEO shout out to Will Scott, who coined yep. that term a long time ago. Cure is probably ranking for a lot of stuff. If you're a SaaS product, Captera is probably number one or two like you can you can piggyback on that it's going to cost you this is an advertising podcast here um, but you can again piggyback on and and show up to the exact audience that you can't rank for well i said this earlier um you know marketing o'clock is a podcast that you've been you know doing for years now and that is now a part of the you know scj network and we're very very proud to be you know involved with and i've known you forever People who are listening to this podcast, people who know who you are, people who want to find you, Greg, where do people find you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm at Greg Finn on any social accounts, trying to do more in 2020 here. Um, you know, Marketing Clock, the best way to find it now is uh, marketingoclock.com. Um, the, the show, we cover everything you need to know uh, that's happened in digital this week. We keep it light. We've got fun things. We've got like take of the weeks where we talk about somebody that had a really spicy take. Uh, we, we Every new piece of news you need to to, to hear from the week, we cover and it's fun, it's light. And, and I mean, if you haven't been able to tell by now, we're, we're passionate about this stuff. <laughs> and you know, we couldn't be more proud to be on the Search Engine Journal Network here. Um, and yeah, and if you know, our company is cypressnorth.com. Um, we do a lot of B2B uh, marketing, B2B advertising specifically, as, as you probably know by now. Um, and you know, any questions you've got, hit me up on social, you know, give a shout. And, uh, you know, I, I clearly love this stuff and would love to talk. Yeah. And maybe it's because I've been in this industry so long and I kind of know so many people in it, but there's really only a handful of people in the world that I feel like I can just blindly recommend and know that it's going to be taken care of. And Greg, you are absolutely one of those. So anybody who needs to, you know, contact needs help with this, absolutely contact Greg, um, you know, give him questions. He'll help you out, hire him if you need to, whatever it is. But Greg, it's, it's a pleasure. I always love having you on. And I think we might have to make this a habit. I might have to just pull you on every couple months and do another show and just kind of catch up and, and talk about what's going on in marketing. Yeah, man. Anytime you want me, I'm happy to come in and, and bring the fire. Beautiful. Love it. Talk to you soon, Greg. Thank you, Brent. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.